today on the subject of uh, spiritual hunger, and uh, I'll begin with a verse from Psalm chapter 42, and this is a picture of uh, what it means to be spiritually hungry. It is a picture of someone who is hungry for God, and it says, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. This verse describes um, what should really be the outflow of all of our hearts as followers of Jesus. That there should be this continual desire in our hearts for more of God. There's this, this, this thirst, this hunger that is unquenchable, and we just need more and more and want to be closer, want to experience Him in, in deeper ways through the knowledge of His Word, through personal experience, through, uh, through miracles, or whatever it might be. And the question is, are you spiritually hungry this morning? I mean, does this verse describe what is going on in your soul, that the cry of your soul? And really, to the extent this describes you, really reveals a lot about your spiritual condition and, and how you are doing in your walk with Jesus. I mean, if you've lost your appetite, you have no spiritual hunger for God, that is a sign of, of danger and ill health. Uh, the same if we had, uh, you know, a huge banquet of meal and a big meal out there and, and you came out and you just didn't have any appetite. And for day after day after day, you didn't have any appetite for, for real food. There would, be, there would be a problem with your physical body if you didn't have an appetite day after day after day. We'd say, you're, you're probably sick and you should go see the doctor, right? I mean, when a cancer patient loses their, their desire to eat, I mean, that's not a good thing. And as followers of Jesus, if we get to a place where we begin to lose our spiritual hunger, it is a very dangerous place. A lot of reasons why we need to be spiritually hungry. Uh, God is deserving of glory, honor, and, and all those kind of things. We need to be active, full of his power to serve in his kingdom. But one thing I want to talk about this morning is, is the fact that, that he is the one who satisfies our hunger more than any other hunger. There's no one that satisfies the way God satisfies. Therefore, a hunger must primarily be directed at, at him. I mean, the, the, the book of Ecclesiastes is a whole book about uh, people just running after all these different hungers in life and, and finding out that they just don't satisfy. And, and a couple of the verses say, like Ecclesiastes 5, the one who loves money will never be satisfied with money. He who loves wealth will never be satisfied with his income. I mean, how much is enough money? Just a little bit more, right? doesn't matter how much you make. It's always just need a little bit more. It never fully satisfies you. Ecclesiastes 6, all of a man's labor is for nothing, more than to fill his stomach, yet his appetite is never satisfied. And it goes on and on. And in the end, it says, it, it, it is only God who truly satisfies. I mean, there is only one who will truly and deeply most satisfy your soul, and it's Jesus. 
Jesus mentioned uh, this in various ways. For instance, in uh, John 6, 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And, and Jesus was saying this in a day when there was nothing more important than bread and water. I mean, you went to work to earn enough money for food for that day. Life was in bread and water every single day. You needed bread and water. And Jesus comes and says, I am the true bread. I'm the living bread. I'm living water. Those who feast on me, that is, if you're hungry for Jesus, he is the one who will truly satisfy you. Jesus talked about himself in terms of water. To the woman in the well, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks this water, that's physical water from a well, will be thirsty again. In other words, it's, it's not going to satisfy you. You're going to be thirsty again and again and again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never be thirsty again. The idea of Jesus being this living water that when you begin to drink of Jesus, truly satisfies your soul more than any other thirst, more than any other hunger. Or John chapter 7 Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And when he's saying, if anyone thirsts, he's not saying, are you physically thirsty? He's saying, if you, you sense your life is empty, if you sense there's something missing, you've been striving after this and this and this and this, and you're just not feeling sat satisfied, and you just feel you're thirsty, Jesus says, come to me. I am your answer. Jesus is the one who satisfies more than anyone else. I, I love this text in Isaiah. He says, come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters, he who has no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? In other words, why, why are we running here and there and this way and that way trying to find satisfaction, trying to find this is the answer to life when he's saying, it's me, come to me. So he says, listen diligently to me. And eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. God is calling all humanity to come, to come. The answer is here. Don't spend your money, your energy, your time seeking for satisfaction elsewhere. It's found in Jesus. A saint Augustine said a long time ago in the 4th century, You, God, made us for yourself, and our hearts find no peace till they rest in you. That the place where our souls are truly satisfied, truly at rest, truly at peace, is, is in a deep, rich, growing relationship with Jesus. I mean, there are a lot of verses that talk about this, this satisfying thirst or hunger. Uh, Psalm 63 says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. That our souls just are thirsty for God. 
And whether you follow Jesus or not, you're a Christian or not, the reality is your soul is thirsting for God. There's a home found when it comes to your soul and it comes to God. Psalm 143 says, I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. And again, this is the sign of spiritual health. When your soul is just constantly crying out to God, realizing that only he truly satisfies our life. Now, when it comes to our hunger, our hunger for God must trump all other hungers. Because I'm not hungry for a lot of things, a lot of times. I mean, right now, I could really use a big burger because I'm hungry or, you know, throw me a piece of tiramisu cheesecake. That's my favorite, by the way, if you want to make me one. <laughs> I mean, hungry for that. I mean, we are hungry for pleasure, for fun. We're hungry for food. Uh, we're hungry for our hobbies and our sports and our favorite TV shows. We're hungry for sex. I mean, we, there's a lot of hungers that, that dwell within us. But of all those hungers, there is one hunger that has to trump all these other hungers in our lives. And that, our that is our hunger for God. That we must not allow any other thing to take the place of our main hunger. I think we're going to maybe see this in a couple ways. One would be Jesus in Matthew 4. It says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I mean, I've met people who have fasted for 40 days, and I tell you at the end, they're, they're hungry, right? It's a long, long time. If you've gone a few days of fasting or without food, you, you realize how strong hunger can be. I mean, hunger can be one of our most vicious uh, desires. In fact, uh, Viktor Frankl, who was in the concentration camp, said that the talk there was more about food than freedom. That, I mean, if you've been truly hunger, I mean, it takes over you. Jesus here is very hunger, hungry, and it says the tempter, or Satan, came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now there's a lot of things we could pull out of this text, but one of the small things is that, that Jesus says, look, we live by the bread of God that comes from his mouth. My number one hunger, my number one place I find satisfaction is in God, not in physical food. Jesus would later say this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. In other words, the, the number one thing we should seek, the number one hunger out of all of our hungers should be us seeking the kingdom. That hunger should trump all other hungers. So you have a busy day. You got lots going on. A lot of hunger. I got to go to work. I got to fulfill that hunger. I got to make my breakfast. I got to do all this. That our hunger for God must take precedent if we want to have a rich, growing, thriving relationship with God. And I was kind of convicted when I was thinking about this because I was thinking about food and I was like, just thinking about how much time I spend with physical food during the day. You know, I wake up in the morning, I pretty much always make oatmeal, uh, I'm trying to eat healthy, so we actually got like an oat roller, so I roll all my oats and put them in there, and I chop, chop two apples up and put hemp seeds and chia seeds and sunflower seeds and cinnamon, and I mix it and microwave it, and then 
it's really good and healthy. It takes a lot of time. And then I sit there and I eat it for five, ten minutes. And then, you know, if I'm coming here, I might make a lunch. Or if I'm having lunch with somebody, I will sit down with them for an hour and eat lunch with somebody for another hour. And then comes to dinner. I mean, uh, Marie most often makes dinner, and she makes these amazing dinners, which take a long, long time. And then we eat those, and then I want snacks here or there. I mean, look at how much time of, of our time is spent just eating physical food. But our spiritual food, our spiritual hunger should even trump that. I mean, is God more important to you than, say, even your physical food? Do you get more excited about God? Do you spend time like you were making your meal because it's so good? Do you spend time in his word because God is so good? I want to spend time in worship because he is so good. I mean, does his hunger in you trump other hungers in your life? And that's what we all need to be striving for. We need to be moving to a place where we begin to realize just how satisfying God really is. And because he satisfies that he needs to be the one who trumps all of our other hungers. Uh, Psalm 63 says, You satisfy me more than the richest feast. In other words, you put the most amazing meal. For me, it would be like, you know, a Jackson's Hole burger and uh, maybe a tiramisu cheesecake and whatever you put. I like their burgers the best, by the way. And, uh, and, and it's like, th th this guy would say, you know what? No, I, I, I need to be with God. I mean, this idea of our spiritual hunger trumping other hungers. Now, the weird thing about the Christian faith and, and our hunger is that we live in the state of being very satisfied, yet we're also commanded to be hungry. I mean, there's a lot of things about Christianity that just dissatisfy me beyond imagination. I mean, if the only thing Jesus ever did for us was die on the cross, and that's it, I mean, I could be satisfied with that. You know, all my shame and guilt wash away, uh, you know, my sin washed away, the ho hope of heaven and, and new life. I mean, if that's all, I could be satisfied with that. And a lot of Christians just live in this satisfied state, but you know, God says that's not enough. Yes, you are to be so satisfied in Jesus, but at the same time, you are to be hungry for more. And this is such a blessing. Again, we could picture a banquet. I mean, picture a banquet with all your favorite food on it. Actually, November Fest is like this. You remember if you were here for November Fest? You weren't. We had this two tables full of desserts. And we were supposed to eat the desserts and then score which was the best dessert. But the problem was there was no way you had enough room to eat all the desserts. I tried my best. I ate probably like five or six of them. And I was so satisfied because they were so good. But you know what I was thinking? Man, I wish I was could still have room for more. I wish I could try that one and that one and this one. And this, this is what the, that's the natural. That's what it's like in the physical world. But here's what it's like in the kingdom. We taste of God. We're so satisfied. But God says, I'll give you the capacity to be hungry for more. Because I got another plate for you. And we go eat that and say, oh, that is so satisfying. But God says, you still hungry? I say, yeah, yeah. And he just keeps giving us the capacity to receive more and more. Man, you can actually eat everything on the whole dessert table because in the spiritual realm, in the kingdom, we live in this state of satisfaction yet hunger. And the problem is that some Christians just end up being satisfied. I got the cheesecake, got the pie, 
so satisfying. And they just live there. And after a while, they kind of get bored and they just kind of wonder if there's more. It's like, no, remain hungry. Live out of this hunger for God at all times. And to be hungry, uh, I mean, if you want to be blessed with more, you need to be hungry. This is what the uh, many verses say. Psalm 107. It says, for God satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul he fills with good things. What soul does he fill with good things? The hungry soul. Not the satisfied, complacent, I got a lot of other things to do, I live a busy life soul. No, the hungry soul. This is what's weird about the spiritual world. In, In the physical world, in the natural, if we eat a lot, we get full and we're no longer hungry. In the spiritual world, the more you eat, the hungrier you get. Okay? In the natural world, when we eat a lot, we get full and we're no longer hungry. In the spiritual world, the more you eat, the more you get hungry. In the spiritual world, if you stop eating, your hunger goes away. Psalm 81 says, I am the Lord, your God, the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt. He says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. God wants to fill all of your lives with more of his favor and blessing. But he says, open your mouth. Open your mouth. Be hungry. He doesn't fill the mouth that's closed and satisfied. He fills the mouth that's, God, I want more. God, I want to experience you more. My mouth is is open that we should live our lives with these open mouths, satisfied yet hungering for more. Or Matthew 6 says, blessed, or the word means, oh, how happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Who, again, is the ones whom he fills and blesses and satisfies? Those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, hungering for more. Are you like this in your life? And are you hungry for God? And uh, let me throw this uh, oh, actually, I'll maybe mention this. Kind of an added bonus to being satisfied yet hungry in the kingdom. And that is in the Bible, many times when people lose their hunger for God, that God actually takes away their satisfaction in other things sort of in the natural world. Okay? There are lots of verses that talk about this. Uh, so these people lost their hunger for God. And he says to them, you will eat, but not be satisfied. Even if you have the strength to overtake some prey, you will not be able to carry it away. Or Hosea 4, they will eat, but not be satisfied. In other words, the things, even in the physical world for these people, don't satisfy. They eat, they run after money, they run after pleasure, and they can't find satisfaction. But here's the thing. When you seek first the kingdom of God, it says, and all these other things will be added unto you. That when you're hunger, hungry for God, you know what? You find satisfaction in God And God does this unique thing in our lives where all of a sudden all the other things in our life become more satisfactory. All of a sudden we can say, you know, I'm happy with my car. I'm happy with my income. You know, I'd like some more, but, you know, I'm happy with the way things are. I'm really satisfied because when you seek God and you're hungry for God, not only does he satisfy you in the spiritual, but also in the natural. And if you find yourself just not satisfied at all, Probably because you're feasting on all these other little things. So again, Psalm 42. 
As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And so I ask again, does that describe your soul? Does that describe the the cry of your heart? Are you hungry for God? Are you thirsting for him? Like a deer in a desert. I mean, is that you? Your answer is no. And you're just kind of saying, you know, actually, not really at all. I'm not really hungry for God. Uh, Why is that? You know, put it back in the natural. Let's say you're invited to Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, and uh, you go and you come to this dinner. You're like, wow, but you're like, I'm not hungry. I've been there. And it's usually because of two reasons. One, because you're sick. You don't feel like eating. Or number two, you've been snacking all day on lesser things, and therefore you're not hungry for the real meal. And this is the same with the kingdom. If you find yourself not hungry for God, you're either sick or you've been feasting on lesser things. Uh, You might be sick, and that I, I think would be that you are living in unrepented sin. That there is sin in your life and you're not willing to call out to Jesus for help. You're not willing to ask for forgiveness. You're just holding on to it and you're saying, I'm not going to let this go. That will make you sick and will make you not hungry for God. And often the two worst ones are unforgiveness and bitterness. I mean, there's nothing that will rob your hunger for God more quickly than unforgiveness and bitterness. It'll just suck it right out. I mean, if you're not hungry for God today... Is there a sin in your life that you have not repented of? His hunger must trump all other hunger. Repent of that sin. Get help. Whatever it takes, move towards Jesus. Or secondly, you go to Thanksgiving, and I do this way too much because I snack on the pretzels and chips all day, and you get to Thanksgiving dinner, and you're not hungry. Maybe you've been snacking on way too many lesser things in life, And therefore, when it comes to the real meal, the real thing that satisfies, the thing that is just like more amazing than anything else, you just don't find yourself hungry. You get the most busy life. Your kids are doing this and that, and you're involved in this and that, and you got 100 billion TV shows and hobbies and sports, and you're you're trying to satisfy all these hungers, and you're eating all the chips and the popcorn and pretzels, and God invites you into the banqueting room, and you're like, but I'm not hungry. And your answer is, his hunger, your hunger for him must trump all other hungers. It simply needs to be a priority in your life. So Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. It's not, I will seek you when, you know, my renovation's done. I'll seek you when, you know, this busy period of my life is done. I'll seek you when I finally get enough money. He says, seek the kingdom now. Now. Right now. And you begin to enter into that hunger once again. Now let me finish just with this, because, again, the way it works in the natural is the more you eat, the fuller you get, and you're no longer hungry. But in the spiritual, the more you eat of God, the hungrier you get. The more you focus on Jesus, the more you worship, read his word, pray, just live out a kingdom life, take every thought captive to him, the more your life is focused on God and you're eating of him, the hungrier you get. And at the same time, the more satisfied you get. Again, it's kind of this weird thing in the kingdom. And so if you want to increase your hunger today, you got to eat more. You got to eat more of God. 
which means probably got to shift some priorities in your life because, again, that hunger for him must trump all other things, okay? Sometimes you got to say no to some lesser things because you want to make room for the, you know, it's, it's, it's like you want to make room for the dessert. You want to make sure lots of room for the dessert, the kingdom. And so whatever opportunity you have, you just you start eating of God. And there's kind of this tendency sometimes in the church today to say, well, you know, if you read the Bible every day, that's legalism. can be, but I also say that's probably a lie from the pit. Um, you know, as much as I would say, hey, if you eat every day, that's legalism. <laughs> hey, you're so legalistic eating breakfast and lunch every day. That's so legalistic. I mean, it's going to dry your... It's like, no, I, I need food every day, and we need food every day. I mean, we should not live long without taking time in his word. We should not go long without the day, without just stopping to recognize his presence with it. We shouldn't go long without lifting our hearts in worship. The more opportunities you feast of God, the hungrier you'll get. You will not get hungry by skipping church every week. You will not get hungry by not opening your Bible. And some people just assume, like, why am I not hungry? Because you're not eating. The more you eat in the kingdom, the hungrier you get. And if you find you're not hungry, you just start eating every opportunity you can. You get, you, there's prayer night. we got Bible study night here on Wednesdays. we got church. Just start thinking about Jesus more throughout the day. Whatever you can do, you feast on him, and all of a sudden you get, you get more hungry. And uh, for me, the Bible, I mean, is one way I get hungry. In fact, when you start to take this word seriously and you start reading it, 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 it makes you so hungry. When you leave this, not read this as a dead book, but as a living book, I mean, I was reading uh, this week in my devotions, Acts 28, and it made me hungry. It said this, uh, near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to uh, Publius, or Publius, or however you say his name, Mr. P, right? Uh, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. And as it happened, Mr. P, the father, was ill with a fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying ha uh, his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors. And I began to say, you know what? That makes me hungry. I mean, imagine if, if more people were being healed. So we could have more influence on them for the gospel. That, that all of a sudden, as it says, they were showered with honors. That this, this church and this community began to shower with honors. Like, this is the place where you go for help. This is where you go if you need healing. This, and it just, that just got me thinking, saying, wow, that makes me hungry for more of God's activity here. And when I hear someone come to Jesus, that makes me so hungry. It's like, we want to see more of that. The more you eat, the hungrier you get. And then this week, I, I was reading a little bit on revival, saying some of the stuff that what made me hungry this week. I read this quote. It says, a revival is a community saturated with God. I just think about it. I was like, man, that makes me hungry. Imagine if we as a community were just saturated with God, where all of us just said, you know what? Without excuse, I am putting my hunger for God before all other hungers, and I tell you, revival will hit this town pretty quick. And I was reading, and I'll just read this to you as we close. Some of these early uh, revivals. This uh, guy wrote, The history of modern English-speaking revivals began with the preaching of Jonathan Edwards in New England on justification by faith. 
And it climaxed with his famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, in 1741. Within two years of the beginning of this revival, from uh, 1740 to 1742, about 50,000 people were converted out of a population about 250,000, meaning 20% of the population began to know God. I don't limit God, because that could be here. And we are living in an area where we got maybe, I think out here, maybe 1% Christian, maybe 2. God could make it 20. I don't hear that. That makes me hungry. And they said the second great revival in Kentucky in about 1800, where there were about 10,000 converts, the third great movement of God, the Great Awakening, came in 1857, when... Three men of God began to pray for revival in a Dutch Reformed church in New York. And then it says, here's a little excerpt of this. It says, first there were three men praying in earnest at daily prayer meetings. Then there were five. Then a week later, 14. And then 23 uncompromising men who would not let go of the old-time religion, who raised their voices to God. Soon every public building in downtown New York was filled for noontime prayer meetings. In a week's time, 10,000 people were saved. In eight months, 50,000 people of the city were saved. And this revival spread throughout the whole country, from New York to L.A. It spread to Ireland, Scotland, England, South Africa, and India. One scholar remarks that the movement of God's Spirit across America was so strong that even as ships came near American ports, these people on board felt the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and were saved and filled with joy before they reached the harbor. And God's the same yesterday, today, forever. I mean, uh, why do we limit God? Why do we just kind of live with the satisfied, oh, you know, just Christianity is boring, there's nothing happening. It's like, you got to get hungry. You got to get hungry. And when you're hungry, God begins to make you more hungry and you get more satisfied and you get more hungry. And that is the trajectory that man, I'd love to see in this church, in my life, and in your life. Okay? Last verse and we're done. Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now, usually this is kind of used in a negative sense. If you sin and you're going to be, don't deceive yourself, you know, you're going to be in trouble or whatever. Let me put this in an encouraging way. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will reap. If you begin to sow in your relationship with God, you will just reap more. Whatever you sow, you are going to reap. If you just keep sowing, this life lived on all these little hungers and not leaving hunger, your hunger for God primarily, you're just going to sow a, a boring kind of humdrum Christianity. You're never going to see God do these big amazing things. You might. I mean, God sometimes is really gracious. But I mean, he says, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. Don't be deceived. You will reap what you sow. And so my prayer for us man, that we just move more and more towards a community saturated with God. That we'd be hungry for Him. And that's our prayer, and I hope that's your prayer for your own life as well. Uh, part of revival is prayer. And uh, I just keep encouraging you uh, to pray, to come up for prayer. I think the next couple of weeks we're going to try to have more people up here for prayer where you can come and be ministered to. But I know for now I have Deanna today and maybe, maybe Cara can be here. Yeah. 
And if you need prayer, you can just come up and uh, sit next to them, and they'll pray for you. Uh, God is amazing, and he answers prayer. So if you need prayer, please come. Let's stand, if you please. Father, we thank you that you satisfy our souls beyond what we can even imagine. God, we thank you that you have a banqueting table beyond we can ever, we could ever dare or ask or even imagine. So God, help us to be people who pull up to your table. God, help us to be people who live our Christianity with an open mouth, with a hunger for you. God, I pray for anyone in this room who has lost their hunger for God. God, I pray you would reveal to them once again just how good you are, how deserving, God, you are of, of their primary hunger. God, I pray you give them the strength and the discipline to maybe put away some of the lesser hungers that they might seek you more. God, I pray for those in this room who are hungry, and we just pray more on them. God, that they would seek you more, they would love you more, they would serve you more, they would run after you more. And God, we pray for this church that you might pour out upon us a hunger for your name. And so God, as we go, make us hungry. God, as we go, help us to love those around us, serve them, and to enjoy you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.